Blog Talk Radio. And yes, you are in bed with me, Dr. Sue, and also my cohorts, <laughs> Joe Mirage and Ashley Jill, are tucked in with me. Hello. We're cohorts. You are partners in crime. Uh-huh. Yay. I am very excited for tonight's show. I don't know about you guys. I just think it's a really super interesting subject, and Steve, who has Asperger's, um, it's just it's so cool that he can give us what that perspective is like. So it's not just talking to, you know, a psychiatrist who talks about Asperger's. It's someone who has it. So I think awesome. it's so cool. That is cool. Woo! Woohoo! Yes, indeedy, reedy, woo. That's right. Okay, so um, we have no shout-outs anymore, as I told you guys. No one wanted to do them anymore, so we're not doing shout-outs anymore. So... The really cool part about all this is that we get to start the show faster, Woo! which everyone was requesting anyway. So There we go. Ta-da. Yay. The only thing that I want to know is, when does the boat go in? What? The boat should be splashing by this weekend. Oh, I get it. Now. Really? Yes. No. She's been bottom painted. She's been zinked. So my replacement should be in the water by the weekend. Yay! Did you name it? Uh, she already had a name, and I don't know if I want to rename her or not. What was her name? Uh, breathing Easy. Breathing Easy. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. I do, too. I know there's something about it. I just... It's kind of floaty sounding. Uh-huh. Well, no, I know. But I'm just <laughs> Maybe we should like have a contest. Name the boat. Ooh, that would be fun. There we go. We should. Okay, we're gonna do name the boat. Name that boat. Should they should they have their own or should we come up with five and they get to pick one in a poll? I think that they should come up, um, just like crowdsource it. Just like get all of these suggestions together, and then we'll pick through it, and then find out the ones that we like, and then we can have a final vote. Wow, you have high hopes that we're going to get isn't that many? <laughs> Seriously, Joe, come down a little bit lower. <laughs> okay, you're getting. You want people to actually. Take time out of their day to write in with a name for the boat. Absolutely not. I'm just going through the chat room. Somebody's already written Snuggles, High oh, Natasha, okay, cool. okay. and Evil Domina Twin. So those are suggestions so far. No, Evil Domina Twin is Belladonna and Natasha Hertz. 
It doesn't matter. I still like that name. <laughs> Evil Domina Twins. <laughs> well, it would definitely get people talking about the boat. How about hearing that on the radio? What? Evil Domina Twin? Yeah. We just said it. Nothing happened. No. Well, it wasn't like broadcast over like the boat radio. Oh, okay. Where are the boat people are. Exactly. Okay. I get it. Okay, so name that boat. Go for it. <laughs> In the chat room. Throw out some names for the boat. I will actually, I'm going to put it out on Twitter right now. We have the approval of uh, both Natasha Hurts and Ms. Belladonna. Well, that's because they're being greedy. That's who they are. They want it named after them because they're very vain, which is why they're very good at what they do. Somebody mentioned Whiplash. The SS Whiplash. Hmm. Okay. SS Greed. Name Joe's boat has just gone out. We'll Sounds see. good. We'll just see. Mabel. See, I like Mabel. Mabel. <laughs> it's got to be Mabel. Got to be Mabel. It's got to be Mabel yeah. or Gertrude. No, Mabel. Okay. Okay, you're getting hostile. You're getting okay. Vanilla <laughs> Girl's getting all like freaked out here. I know. What's up with that? <gasps> Pegging and whips. What? Oh, Pegging nice. Actually, that is nice. Pegging and whips. Because couldn't that be used in a nautical way? Yes. Somehow? No, that, That's that what I is, thought. And it is used properly. Really? Yeah. Very good. Yo, way to go, Bella. She's giggling. Yep, she's happy. All right, let's bring Steve in on this, shall we? I think so. Steve, are you there? Uh, sure am, sure am. Yay, we're glad you're here. Oh, thanks so much. Uh, great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. We are very, very pleased that you're here because this is a really – i it's, I'm sure it's a frustrating subject for you, but I find it very fascinating. So you're going to be completely educating everybody, and I think this is so important on – so many levels. Well, so if anyone, you. first of all, let me put it out there really quickly. If anybody, if you have Asperger's, if you are dealing with it, um, you know, if anything, give us a call. It doesn't have to be you. It could be someone you've met before or had a relationship with. Give us a call, 646-478-3644, and we will try and get your questions answered if you have some. Or if you just want to tell us a story, we'd like to hear your story. So, Steve, first of all, yes. we're gonna go. We're gonna be really stupid here, okay? No, 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 no. It's okay. You know, there's no such thing as a stupid question. You know, whatever you want to know, just ask, and I'll, I'll be glad to, you know, help uh, to, to answer, just to, to help bring understanding. Awesome. Okay. How is it pronounced properly? Because everyone uh, has their own way of spelling it and saying it. Um. I've only actually ever heard it pronounced Asperger's syndrome. Occasionally, people call it Asperger's, just with the apostrophe S at the end. But that's that's the only thing uh, it was named after. So it's after. As. It's not considered as. 
Um, I, oh, I don't, I don't know about that. I, um, oh, okay. Um, I usually hear it pronounced like Asperger syndrome, and I happen to know it was named after um, an Austrian um, psychologist named Hans Asperger, um, who discovered the condition back in 1944. So, um, yeah, then I, I took four years of German, so um, Asperger would be pretty close to the German pronunciation as well. So, um, brilliant. I just want to make sure yeah. that we're pronouncing it properly. No, absolutely, yeah. And now everyone's talking about the South Park episode. Did you see the South Park episode? Uh, no, you know, I, I'm yeah, I'm curious about it. I'll definitely go look it up. I just haven't seen a whole lot of episodes of South Park, but the ones I have seen, um, I, I think a, a lot of the critics of the show, and as well as fans of the show, missed the point. I think a lot of people who like the show just like it because it's so you know, rambunctious and daring, and I think a lot of people who hate the show just hate it because of all the profanity and insensitivity, but I, I think I think it's a very intellectual show. If you look, if you scratch the surface of the show, what you'll find is just a lot of very intelligent um, social and political commentary. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure there's probably, you know, they might go too far in some of the jokes about it and wing them, but at the same time they probably get a lot of it right at least. Well, do so you, like, would you be offended by it? Um, in general, no. Um, I, I think you know I, I don't mind um, joking about about you know the, the quirks. The, the only thing that I object to is being judged um, unfairly because of quirks. I mean that's something I'm very sensitive to. And keep in mind, I'm mm-hmm. 42 years old. I've, I've only known that I've, for two years that I have this disease, and I might have not disease, but you know, a, um, condition. Um, which I hate that they call it it's syndrome because that implies it's worse than it is. But um, I, I very well might have never known I had it if not for my son having uh, been diagnosed a few months earlier when he was only five. And what I realized then is that so many times that I was belittled growing up, including by people in my own family, especially my father, it was because of symptoms of this condition that, that, that I have. And so I don't mind people joking about, you know, some of the things that, you know, like, the, the way that we get obsessed over things, for example, or mm-hmm. uh, the way that we're, we're so hypersensitive or, or, you know, have these photographic memories or whatever. But it's, uh, the it's you know, people who – the only thing I have a problem with is people belittling the, you know, others for displaying these symptoms and because mm-hmm. that, that's something that I really struggled with, especially from my father, and that's why I really had a lot of self-image problems growing up. And it's these last two years that I've understood exactly who I am, that it's really gone a long way toward helping me find self-comfort and and peace with myself. That is absolutely fabulous. So, and it's good that you've been able to figure this out. I mean, my God, living with it that long, not knowing what it was. And so let's let's start from the beginning then. This is a form of autism, is it not? It, it, it is. It's it's the mildest form. I think a lot of people, um, and, and for me too, my introduction to autism was the movie Rain Man. And um, the, the, while well, that's an excellent movie um, with uh, um, an out-of-this-world performance from Dustin Hoffman, what a lot of people, because of that movie, fail to realize is that um, that represents about .0001 of all autistic people, you know, people who are that extreme, who can't function in society. A vast majority of people with with um, autism are much closer to me than, than that character. I mean, a vast majority of us have jobs, you know, have gone through regular schooling, you know, and 
uh, many of our families, including me, and we, you know, you can't tell who we are by looking at us. Maybe some of our mannerisms, but um, it's um, it's something that I I think um, a friend of mine just describes it that it's not really a disorder as much as it is a special set of circumstances that creates a lot of misunderstandings for people who don't understand it. So, okay, so then let's describe it as best you can so mm-hmm. that other people understand what it is through your eyes. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll be glad to do that. Um, and and I, I emphasize to start off that no two um, aspies are um, exactly the same in the symptoms, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll give the ones that I have. Um, for one thing... We have um, – most of us are very, very highly intelligent. I mean, I, I have my IQ – I always score in the 150s on IQ tests, for example. Um, and your daughter which, has this too, does she not? Uh, no, just my son. Oh, just, your son just my has son. It. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, um, no, my, my daughter does not have it. And, in fact, actually, my my diagnosis actually helped improve my relationship with her. Because, really? Um, yeah. Because she, um, she's, she's nine years old now, and she came to understand me a lot better. And um, let, let me give you some examples. I mean, one of the our um, the, the biggest, uh, and I won't say it, it's a, a flaw, but more like a potential obstacle. People um, with Asperger's tend to become extremely obsessive. Um, like you know, we, we often you know we'll find one subject that fascinates us and we'll just want to talk about it all the time or, you know, we'll get involved in some sort of you know, working project or art project or whatever science experiment that we're into and we can just go at it for 10, 12 hours straight and other people, you know, been around me all my life who like to see some of the, you know, things that I've been involved with and they say, man, I don't know how you can spend that much time on it without going crazy. Um, like, for example, some of the most brilliant filmmakers of all time, like Alfred Hitchcock, um, Tim Burton, Stanley Kubrick, are all believed to, to have Asperger's syndrome. And I don't know that any ever have been or were diagnosed. Um, but if you watch their movies, you know, even if you, you don't know who directed them, you could tell very quickly whoever made any of those movies was completely obsessed with it because everything is just so pristine. And, I mean, there's nothing half yeah. yeah, exactly. And um, so... I think the obsessiveness is certainly one aspect. Um, I think another thing is that we often have a very hard time multitasking or managing time. That's something that I'm absolutely terrible with. And after my diagnosis, I finally started a system where I actually make a – because I'm such a literal person, um, I I maintain a daily schedule, and that's how I have been able to solve my problem with time management – because I just look at, you know, a, a chart and when I see what I'm supposed to be doing at a certain time, whether it's, you know, getting up for work or doing housework or, um, you know, playing with my kids, helping my kids with their homework, whatever, you know, that's the way that, you know, that, that's what reminds me to do it is otherwise, you know, throughout uh, before I knew I had Asperger's, I just was terrible with time management. I was constantly, you know, forgetting things or, you know, putting them off and then, you know, um, or organizing my time badly so I didn't have time to, you know, do things that I need to, to be done. And it was just mm-hmm. um, because one of the biggest um, problems that we have is that we have, you know, so much going on in, in our minds that sometimes we just, we overload. Um, 
and multitasking is is a big problem for for, for a lot of us. Um, and you know, I like let me give you an example. Like my wife, sometimes she'll send me into the kitchen. Um, she's been you know she had surgery not that long ago, and you know her walking isn't quite back to normal yet. So she'll she'll send me into the kitchen to get you know like to get her tea, and then you know while I'm in the process of getting the tea, she'll ask me to bring her like say you know, the bread or something like that. And that just, you know, it, it's sort of like a computer overloading, you know. Um, so is it the, too much input? Yeah, exactly. It's 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 like it's like you know, a computer just, you know, overloading and, and you know, and just freezing or crashing. And she's finally starting to understand that, you know, right. which is um, – and there's other things, I mean, we that we had, you know – since I'm generally a pretty nice guy, I'm not a mean-spirited person at all. Most of the time in my life, when I've um, when people have gotten mad at me, I, I would say 95% of the time that people have gotten mad at me in my life, it was because I either made a literal comment that they interpreted figuratively, or they made a figurative comment that I interpreted literally. I mean, that's that was you know one of the biggest problems in, in my marriage, and right. you know, um, you know, it's like um, I, I remember, you know, and because you know, my wife, she. She um, communicates so much through hinting and things like that, whereas I just I communicate by you know I have a, a certain feeling and I'll I'll just say it, you know. Mm-hmm. Ver, so you know, is verbatim. it that there's no filter, whereas the rest uh, well, of us have filters? You don't, so it almost sounds it, a teeny bit like. Um, uh, help me, Joe. Um, what am I thinking of? Maybe like my words. Like a Tourette's filter. kind of, but not not that extreme. So yeah, is it that there's I mean, no filter there? Well, sometimes. I mean, and I, I do try to be, you know, sensitive. But, I mean, basically, if I, um, like, for example, you know, um, if I'm helping my kids with their homework and they got the wrong answer, I'll simply say, you know, you got the wrong answer. You know, I, I don't, you know, try to soften it. I don't, I don't try to make it harsh either. I don't say, you know, that sucks, you know, or <laughs> anything like that. And nothing abusive. But there are times that people have interpreted, you know, to, to my shock, interpreted my words to be rude or abusive just because mm-hmm. I, I made a matter-of-fact statement, you know. And, and and what made it even worse for my marriage is that my wife so much, and she's finally, after understanding what I had, she's finally gotten better with this. She would so much try to communicate through, uh, with me through hinting and and not understanding that I wouldn't, you know, pick up on her hints most of the time because that's just not my nature. I mean, I was expecting that, you know, if she wanted something from me, she would come out and tell me rather than trying to let me figure it out. Um, Okay, so So would you do better then with, say, a list? If someone gave you a written list and said, okay, bring me back, you know, the whatever, a glass of water and whatever, is that better? Yeah, and and that's sort of like what I do with with my daily schedule, you know. I mean, when I see things written down, that that, that really helps a lot. and you know, um, in, in the context of, um, for example, of, of my sex life, um, you know, that's I, I think that's one area in which really um, having Asperger's has, has benefited me because um, we have, and this is this, this can work against people too, but um, we have very um, high sensitivity both with with emotions and with um, our sense of you know of touch. Mm-hmm. And um, and is that true of every Aspie? I, many of us, probably not a hundred percent. 
when I look at the official um, um, sim, the, the official um, classification, um, you know, you know that, that's one of the main ones that's mentioned is hypersensitivity. And right. um, I mean, for example, I, um, I I I cry much more easily than most men. I mean, for example, recently I, w- I was watching. I, I'm a, a big sports fanatic, and that's another thing I obsess over sometimes. Um, that, that drives people crazy. They don't understand how I can just watch watch sports all the time. But I, I saw a game where um, it's a high school game in, in the, the tournament, and this girl from one of the teams had just made this awful, terrible, you know, bonehead play that cost her team the game, and I actually got you know tearful because I, I felt so bad for her. And you know, mm-hmm. some you know, 42 year old man isn't supposed to be that sensitive about you know a high school girls' high school basketball game, but I, I, I am. But at the, at the same time, you know, um, I just have a very high sensitivity, you know, in with, with all of my senses, actually, um, all, all five of them, and and which can sometimes like um, loud noises are very upsetting to me. Um, like a lot. Okay, of so thought. is that true of every Aspie, Steve? That okay, you usually have a set of, you know, even though yeah, like you said, the hypersensitivity is great, but it's also yeah. going to be a hindrance with certain things. So is it, it the is, same yeah. with every Aspie that there's usually something that's going to irritate the hell out of them too? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why one, That's why it's so crucial that people get diagnosed, and that's one reason why I, I you know, I'm glad to, you know, to, to talk about it to anybody because I, I want to help people get diagnosed. I mean, I look at my life, and, and I've been diagnosed at five like my son was rather than at 40 like I was. My life would have been a, been a whole lot easier, and you know, maybe somebody listening to this will be able to, you know, say, think, "Hey, I, you know, I have these symptoms, or I know somebody who has these symptoms," you know, and um, and because there, there's so much, there, and there's so much more information and knowledge about the condition now, but there's still nowhere near enough. And um, wouldn't you say that most people at this point in time are undiagnosed? I would say so, yeah. Um, I, the majority of people I know who have it were not diagnosed until adulthood. Now, that, that, that could change. Over, I think it will change over the years now that people mm-hmm. are more um Was more diagnosing your son, did that help diagnose you? Uh, yeah, that's the reason I was diagnosed, because cool. I started studying it, and then I was like, you know, God, this is, you know, really, um, um, it sounds like I'm reading about myself, you know, and... So, you know, th- yeah, there are th- um, having Asperger's. It really is a mixed bag. There are things that are awesome, like you know, uh, you know, my sense of touch, for example, is, is through the roof. And now, you know, okay, is that of, you being touched or you touching? B- both, both. Okay. A- and um, but the, the, at the same time, though, when I'm not prepared to be touched, I mean, uh, like for example, when, when I go to bed with with a woman, I mean, I can lie there and cuddle with her, you know, for, for eight hours, you know, and never get tired of it, and uh, I just absolutely love it, and um, a lot of my, my lovers have really dug that about me, because, you know, a lot of my female friends complain that their boyfriends aren't into, you know, foreplay, they're not into, you know, cuddling and things like that, whereas, whereas I, I love it, but at the same time, you know, somebody if somebody just comes behind me and just taps me on the shoulder to get my attention, sometimes I might just jump in mm-hmm. you know not quite in horror but in in great discomfort and uh, that's um something that I've struggled with all my life and I've actually gotten in not actual fights but were, created misunderstandings where there were 
you know, um, people thought I was mad at them or didn't like them or whatever because I jumped and they, they touched me from behind. But, you know, as long as I know that, um, not, know I'm about to be touched or I'm about to touch somebody, I, I, I'm, I'm totally for it. I mean, I'm, I'm a big hugger. I mean, you know, I, I've hugged almost all of my female friends. I've even hugged a lot of my, my, my male friends, you know, and I don't think there's anything, you know, wrong with it. It's just, you know, the, the way I am. And, um, but I, I think that because a lot of Aspies, especially young ones, really struggle with social interaction, they're really misinterpreted as being, you know, um, antisocial and rude right. and arrogant. And but wouldn't that just be because the sensory, especially for a child, yeah. when it's at school, the sensory input that's going to be coming in is going to be, you know, you've got kids screaming and yelling, and it, wouldn't that just be overwhelming for them? It, it is, yeah. And uh, in fact, one of the biggest, one of the biggest areas of potential problem for um, Aspies is um, certain noises, like, for example, there are kids who are just horrified or at least very disturbed by the sound of, of the school bell, you know, every day. Um, and I remember when I went from elementary school to middle school, when, once we got to middle school, um, they switched from a bell to a tone, and the tone was just so soothing. And I, I just dug it because, you know, it was so much more pleasant to listen to. And, like, uh, my... Um, I use my, my iPhone as, as an alarm, and um, I went through all the different alarm sounds, and I, most of them were, were just really upsetting to me, and I found exactly one that wasn't, which was a harp, and that's, that's what I use as my alarm because it's the only one that, that wasn't upsetting to me. And so, yeah, I mean, SB kids, they, you know, really, parents, you know, really need to understand, you know, that side of them and figure out ways to, you know, keep it from 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 derailing the kids. I mean, because there's so many things that, I mean, there are a lot of inherent strengths that we have, but there are things that, you know, they, they're not insurmountable. But if they're not addressed, they're not treated, they can really derail uh, a, mm-hmm. a person. And that's, you know, I mean, I know Aspies, for example, who have never been able to hold down a job. You know, with, and um, it's not that they're not capable of it; it's just that they you know, haven't, you know, learned how to not be derailed by by their weaknesses. Right. And is that something that comes from counseling or coping skills, or how uh, do yeah, they help uh, you with that? Uh, counseling is a big part of it, and then just, you know, and the main thing, and this is true really with, with, with any area of life, but the main thing is to be surrounded by the right people, to be around people who, who love and accept you as you are and who understand what your strengths and weaknesses are and, and how, how to help you in, in those areas. And when I look back, one of the biggest uh, sources of struggling in my life w- was that both of my parents had no idea whatsoever, you know, who I was. And what they were trying to do was mold me and shape me into something that I wasn't and wasn't capable of being and wasn't interested in, in being. And right. every time when I didn't turn out that way, they thought it was something that some kind of failure well, each parent thought, it, you know, because my parents divorced, and they, 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 after all these years, 33 years, sadly, they're still not on good terms. And they always thought it was something that the other parent was doing to to to, to screw me up, you know. Mm-hmm. And and what and it wasn't. I explained to my father right after my diagnosis, um, or shortly before my diagnosis, but when I was almost certain I had it, 
I explained to my father that it's not that there was anything wrong with what I was. It's just that, you know, he didn't understand what I was. And and you didn't either. I mean, it's, no, quite, no, I, I didn't. it's a huge lack of communication. Yeah, and a lot of it comes from the misconception that so many parents have. Thankfully, I, I, I don't, and my, my wife doesn't. But so many parents think that kids are just, you know, um, jars of clay that can be turned into anything, and, and nothing can be mm-hmm. further from the truth. We are we are all inherently different. And, you know, I see that, we, you know, I only have two kids, but I see that they are as different as night and day. But I just, what I'm trying to do with each is help, you know, my son be the best person he can be based on, you know, what he has to work with, and, and the same thing with, with my daughter. And, mm-hmm. Um, I As you would of, the, of anybody, whether they have Asperger's or not. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And um, so it's um, it's uh, the example I used with my father, since you know um, he's an auto racing fan, and we, we live in Indianapolis, the you know the auto racing capital of the world. I said it's it's like you, know, you look at the car I drive. There's not a thing wrong with that car. But if you used it to go, you know, try to win the Indianapolis 500, you know, it's going to fail, not because of anything that's wrong with it, but just because that's not what it's made for. And exactly. it's the same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing with the way you raised me. It's not that there was anything wrong with what I was. It's that you were trying to raise me to be something that I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, so let's um, look at, if we if we go back over to the sexual aspect of everything. Yeah, absolutely. When you're talking heightened sensation say for example we're going to talk the fetish world now yes yes if a dom or a dominatrix has a client who has asperger's what do they need to really pay attention to because is he will he always be able to verbally say okay i like this i don't like this because he's not going to know if his if his you know if the whole point of her is to push his boundaries Mm-hmm. You don't want to push him to the point where it's uncomfortable. I, mean, I, I think that that's, that's an excellent question, and that's why I stress communication before you know beforehand. Okay. And um, you know, I, I will say, as I as I mentioned last time I was on your show, I, I'm a switch. I both dommed and I, I I both dommed and subbed, and I'm equally comfortable with with each role. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've taken some fairly, fairly harsh domination over the years, and, and I, I always loved it. Um, and so are you I, talking any kind of flogging, things like that? Uh, mildly, yeah. I mean, not anything that, like, permanently injured me, but, you know, yeah, I've, you know, been spanked. Well, they like shouldn't that. permanently injure you ever. Well, yeah, yeah, but, I mean, you know, I mean, and there's <laughs> things, I mean, I'm properly. not in, Right, yeah, but, I mean, I'm not into, like, you know, talking ball torture or any of their really super right, hard right. stuff, but... I mean, my, the, what turns me on, what turns me on personally about domination is more the um, more the storylines created and you know the um, more the psychological aspects and um, and, and I'm, I'm heavily into into bondage as well, but not the pain so much. But I mean, but I, I do enjoy a good spanking. Um, but mm-hmm. the thing is, that's but one of those things. But wouldn't that I'm, be too much sensory overload? Okay, if you had an over the knee spanking. And you're yeah. doing hand ass. Yeah. Would that not be too much? Because if you have heightened sensitivity of your skin, mm-hmm. isn't that too much though? Or is it? Oh, uh, not, okay not, not to generally. Be too much? Not, not generally. The only thing would be if, by some fluke, you know, she hit like a really sensitive nerve, you know, that caused me to jump. But in, in general, no. 
Um, because if you said thing, something as simple as a tap on the shoulder when you're not it, waiting for, you're not ready for it, yeah, could send the whole thing go down the toilet, right? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, it, it could. But you know, if, I, if I'm getting dominated and I, I know I'm going to get dominated and I know I'm going to get spanked, then yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm totally into it and it, it doesn't bother me at all. Okay. So, and, so in other words, they don't have to be walking on eggshells because I mean, a lot of these people, oh, no. like we just said aren't going to know they have it. Right. Oh, yeah. So, and you know, it, you could be dealing with someone who has it, and they don't even know they have it. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's it's good if the doms know know the signs, you know. Um, if they're, you know, little... Because a, a lot of us, you know, my... Now, I, I'm 42 now, and I think one thing that that's helped is that, uh, you know, I had a pretty hard time i had a few friends growing up but i had a hard time socializing i would have to like know somebody pretty well and know that i had some kind of common ground with them to have a conversation about other than that i would feel totally locked in social situations and when i was uh 21 i actually got a job working at, at a department store and that was the first time where i was ever interacting with strangers on a daily basis and that really went a long way toward helping me learn to interact with 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 strangers and with people in general and so when you say um, helping to learn you into learning to interact with other people is yeah. it because your social skills aren't there or that you just don't want to interact with other people because it's too oh, much it, going on no no I, I've, I've always i've always craved human relationships all kinds you know um friendships you know familial relationships you know romantic sexual whatever um, I'm, in, I'm into all of it, but the thing is, it's just that I didn't know how, particularly when I, when I was a kid, and um, you know, it's um, and it was that that one experience when I worked at that that you know store that really helped me um, overcome that. But back to, to your you know former question about you know downs, um, I think that if you just know some signs to look for, if um, Someone who, who tends to, you know, be obsessive. You know, someone. An, another aspect of our, is a lot of us, not all of us, but a lot of us tend to talk with unusual um, precision. And you know, you know who's coming to mind really quickly, and I, again, probably just because I watch it. Who comes to mind is in the Big Bang Theory, Sheldon Leonard or Sheldon Cooper. Hmm. I, I, I'll have to go. I've never seen that show. I'll have to go watch. He's it, but very, I, I, very intelligent, Joe. What do you think? He's intelligent and he's focused, but um, but I he know. has his. But he has to knock on the door three times. You know, yeah, like there's I mean, like that, a that's lot of idiosyncrasies thing. in there. If, if, if one thing, if you notice somebody who who has a lot of patterns, like they do, the, you know, knocking like three a lot times of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times people, I think a lot of people confuse, you know, um, at, um, um, Aspies, yes, yeah, having OCD, be, but because of things like that. But the truth is that for people with any level of autism, more so the, the higher levels, they're so, and, uh, so, they're so much obsessed with, you know, rituals, and they, they'll just feel, like, totally lost if they, you know, don't do something like that scene in Rain Man where he goes crazy because, you know, it's time to watch the people's court and um and it's not on you know that's not that much of a stretch i mean there are even people with milder cases of autism have quirks like that and right. i'm not 
I'm not that bad in that area, but my, my son is really bad with stuff like that. And, um, I mean, not enough that he would throw a screaming tip or trandrum, but enough that he would really feel lost if it was the time of the day that he was supposed to do something. And, um, and he didn't do it, but, um, I'll, I'll go, I'll go on YouTube and look for clips of that guy. I'll tell you the, the probably the most famous person who has ever publicly revealed having Asperger syndrome is, um, Dan Aykroyd. And, um, you know, a lot of people over the years have told me that that I re- that I remind them of, of him, and you know, and, I, I, and I'm thankful for him, by the way, because for him being open about his aspiness, because I use that he, when I mention people with, with Asperger's, he's always the first person I mention because I want to show right off the bat that, contrary to what people think, we are not humorless people. You know, I think you yeah. know because. <laughs> Because of Rain Man, people think that if you have any form of Asperger syndrome, that you're not, uh, that you don't have a sense of humor, which and nothing could be further from the truth, as he's shown, obviously. Exactly. I mean, it, it just, I don't know. It's I just I find the whole thing extremely fascinating. So, what do you do in the case of? Okay, you meet someone for the first time. Now that you know you have it, you can say, okay. Yeah, like uh, let's put ourselves in the position of someone who's got it and is just meeting someone for the first time. How do you communicate to that person what you want sexually, what you don't want? Are you coming right out and discussing it with them? Uh, yeah, and I think you know a couple of times, like when I was, you know, because I, I've been sexually active since I was eighteen. I'm forty-two now, so it's twenty-four years, but. Um, when I was first sexually active, I think that I did not uh, always use good etiquette as far as that. Like, I would try to discuss that too soon. I think I've learned enough over the years. Um, I've had enough relationships, you know. I mean, I've, I'm married and I had two previous living relationships before that and several other, you know, girlfriends with whom I got pretty serious and, you know, some other, you know, a few other lovers as well. And, um, I, I think, you know, I've learned enough from that that I, I know when the time is appropriate to bring things like that up. But the thing is, I'm very communicative. And one thing that I've really had a hard time with is, you know, some of my girlfriends not being good communicators, which absolutely drives me up the wall. And um, and, and not just about sex, but in, in general, all, all those sex, you know, that is... Well, I mean, women do tend to play a lot of stupid little head games, which would probably drive you nuts. Oh, and especially oh, being yeah. passive aggressive or you know anything like that's going to just be drive you crazy. Yeah, oh it 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 does absolutely and um and that's why you know um if if I were to ever I mean like I said I'm married now but if I were to ever in the future for whatever reason become single again I mean I would definitely have a um, much better idea of what kind of you know woman to look for you know Someone who would understand, you know, not necessarily someone who has um, Asperger's syndrome, although, you know, there are some situations with, with which both a man and a woman have it, but it would have to be someone who would understand and who, who would love me as I am, you know, with it and just be willing to work with me to help me live life every day the best I can with that condition. And, of course, I would want to do the same thing with her. I'd want her to communicate how she best functions or what, what you know, kind of um, daily, you know, activities and 
routines and everything work work best for her as well as just how to interact with her as a person because that's something you know, so many of the problems I've had in, in my um, romantic relationships over the years including my marriage stem from just lack of understanding both my lack of understanding and the woman's lack of understanding of my condition so what do you what is the best thing that you can do so let's look at this from a sexual aspect if yeah. you know the person has Asperger's definitely find out what their limits are find out the things that are going to irritate them because oh, they definitely. will know yeah. right Right, yeah, and it's best to discuss it in advance because, you know, there are situations in which, um, you know, sometimes, you know, a couple, especially if they haven't been sexually active very long, can really have a problem where, you know, one will do something and it will just provoke, a you know, a bad reaction from the other. And, you know, like the person who doesn't have, you know, AS will just think that, you know, oh, this person doesn't like me, you know, so it's not going to work out or and it, it can create a whole big dispute, and it, so it, that's why communication is absolutely essential. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's it's a great thing anyway, but especially you know, when you have an ASPE involved, um, and um, so it's. Um, I would think, from a domination standpoint, it would be absolutely awe-inspiring to have an ASPE to explore sensation play with. Oh, it, it is, and, and uh, you know, um, and I mean, I've had, you know, a very, I've had, you know, a great sex life, you know, for, for many years now, and, you know, I, I, of course, I don't I don't have any statistics to base this on, but I would guess that I've probably been, you know, more adventurous than probably 95, 90%, you know, percent of the population out, out there, and I think one of the, the reasons for that is that, you know, I'm, because I believe that the mind is the most erotic organ of all. And, mm-hmm. I mean, like, of the women who I've had sex with, which is in the neighborhood of 10, I guess, um, you know, there have been those who are just absolutely gorgeous, and then there were those who, you know, like, weighed, weighed 350 pounds. And there are people who, under, since I'm a pretty athletic guy myself, there are people who haven't understood why I, I you know, dated girls who were twice my size as far as weight. Mm-hmm. And, and it, a lot of times it was because I was really impressed with, with their brains, you know, and, you know, I mean, because I, I dated women who weighed 300 pounds, but they just had the most erotic minds that you could, you could imagine, and, and the sex was, was amazing. And um, so... So for you, um, you really like to have a super, like, if you can have someone, it, your preference would be super intelligent. Absolutely, yeah. and not only super intelligent, but also completely uninhibited and open-minded as, as well. Someone who just, you know, has very few limitations. And I mean, for me, you know, like anything, pretty much anything other than, you know, children and animals, I, I would, I would try almost without ex- exception, you know. And, um, you know, and I, I think that I look at. Some of the, the lovers I've had, the ones that I had the you know worst, or, you know at least inspiring sex with, were just those who were just really close-minded and not afraid to, and, and who were afraid to try anything that was different or that had any kind of stigma attached to it. Mm-hmm. We have a caller. Oh, great! Yes, we do. Hello, you're in bed with Dr. Sue and Steve and Joe and Ashley. Hello. Hello. Hi, who's Hello. this? This is Dr. Martin. This is who, sorry? 
Uh, good boy. Good boy. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Excellent. I, um, so what's going uh, on, good boy? Great show. Great show. And uh, it's just um, on a topic that, uh, um, you know, nowadays um, we're, we're attaching a, a stigma to all kinds of mental illnesses. And, uh, um, you know, with the with the deal with uh you know gun violence and everything else we're we're making uh you know mental illness uh, like uh you know uh, an evil in society and uh mm-hmm. it's it's kind of sad that way because we need to understand how the mind works and all types of different I wouldn't even say that we're making it evil in society I think it's that it's being left behind like we don't um, need more gun control we need more mental health people out there right helping. exactly but what i'm what i'm getting at is that i i completely understand where you're coming from but and, and certainly i empathize with that but what i'm what i'm getting at is that we're making that we're fixating on the fact that that uh you know mental illness is the uh uh you know anybody that's associated has mental illness has a problem with it uh, we can have mental illnesses and conditions and everything, and if it's treated, you know, it's uh, it's under control, just like any other malady, just like you know, blood sugar, oh, just like diabetes and, and everything high, else, absolutely right, and, and high blood pressure and everything else. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a question of getting getting the treatment to to the right people. That's actually Not a really everyone. good point, though, too, you know, good boy. Is if Steve, is there like, do you have to take any kind of medication for this? Uh, no, not at all. And in fact, I mean, I I know quite a few Aspies, most of whom I met because, like, on you know, um, I met through like internet support groups, things like that. And I actually found a recently a, a high school classmate of mine actually has it, and someone who I didn't know very well, but now we've gotten to know each other a lot better. And she has a son who has it, which has been fascinating. So we've been you know trading a lot of information, and you know, become far better friends now than we were when when we were classmates. And but yeah, I don't. To my knowledge, none of my Aspie friends take any form of medication. And, and in fact, actually, I'm just, I'm very, um, I'm very much into you know, natural healing, alternative medicine, things like that. So, I mean, well, I, you know, right, right, right. Yeah, I don't take any, any, any prescription drugs whatsoever for, for um, Asperger's or anything else. There, sometimes I think the, just the realization that you have something is enough to uh, understand and how to keep things in check. Almost very not much knowing so, yeah. anything at all. No, and and sometimes I mean even in, with sicknesses, even with illnesses, we don't necessarily have to take medicines, but it's, we have to take better care of ourselves. Whether it be controlling intake of food or whether it be conditioning how to react to things that are external to us, whether you know whether that be socially or whether that be in a relationship, you know, it's it's more along those lines. But awareness of what that does, being intelligent about it, not being to a point where I think, I think what's happening nowadays is we tend to, you know, we're putting a blanket over all, all, uh, you know, all mental illness, any mental-related sickness or, or ailment or whatever you want to call it, and we're, we're classifying it as like, oh my God, you got to stay away from. No, we can't let those people function in society. Oh well, that's have because psychiatry in and of itself is archaic still. What's, what's so you're asking, you can't really ask, the, you can't ask society to get what they don't get. They, they've never yeah. been taught it. No one's teaching it. No one's bringing it to the forefront. Right. I, I, and that's I what that. needs to be done. Right. But I understand that. But when you go to the, as a case in point, 
I went to the doctor, right? They're repopulating a new medical system. Apparently that's going around a lot. A lot of uh, places are getting new medical systems. I guess they're getting ready for the for the the uh, you know the Affordable Care Act to kick in in, in 2016 or 2014. I think next year it kicks in. And so one of the questions they ask is, uh, you know, are you feeling? Are you you know have you? How's your life going? Are you are you feeling depressed lately or anything like that? You here's a question that came out of the blue. Do you feel like you could hurt anybody? Based on the fact that you know you've had maybe pressures or you know something an event happening in your life. Like we're saying, hey, if you've got a problem or you're feeling frustrated about something, you're automatically labeled like you'll probably hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that kind of, I think, like na- naive, naivete, na- you, know, you know, being naive about the whole thing. It's ignorant. Um, it's not even, naivete. Even it's ignorant. Uh, even on the medical side. I mean, this is a doctor. This is, this is a, a, a new doctor. I mean, um, fresh out of a medical school, been practicing for a while. And, uh, you know, it's not any stale old doctor that has, you know, preconceived, uh, you know, things about him, you know, that's been practicing so long and has set his ways. It's a very young uh, female doctor that I've actually had to, you know, know, that whole thing, we need to be smarter about um, different uh, uh, characteristic illnesses of the the brain and uh, in understand that it's a very, very complicated organ. I mean, it's the, the center of our thought, the center of our feeling, everything. It's very, very complex. Uh, the medical profession doesn't understand it. This, this, you know, uh, the, uh, the people that are, you know, uh, study the brain uh, still don't understand it and, and how it works. And That's so, very true. Uh, it is. Like yeah. I said, it's archaic. We are still... Yeah. Throwing rocks at the moon when it comes to psychiatry and psychology right now. Um, Thank you, good boy, for calling. Um, We've got another caller. Is there anything else you wanted to say, good boy? No, I just wanted to say that you're doing a a terrific show. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mm, Bye-bye. Bye. Hello. Hello. You're in bed with Dr. Sue. (laughs) Hi. Hi, who's this? Uh, this is Green. Green. Okay, Green, did you have any questions or did you have a story to tell us? Uh, my sister, actually, we found out years ago, you know, after we both grew up and moved out of the house, that uh, she actually has that. She has Asperger's? Uh-huh. And so was she welcomed back into the house after you guys figured this out? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, we didn't live together at this point, but you know, it didn't, it didn't really uh, affect how we saw her or anything like that. It was just, uh, we just tried to uh, help her out a little bit, you know. Exactly. So, do, do you find that she's getting discriminated against? Uh, she, she, she's always been for some reason, but for now we know for this reason, you know, we we didn't have a label on it. At that time, you know, it was kind right. of a, something that you know at least we didn't know about. But I don't, I don't know how far the uh, research has been over the past fifteen, twenty years when you know she was in school. But well, we can only hope that it's getting better and that people are becoming more educated about it. I think 
a lot more awareness needs to be brought in about it. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the, the the rate of diagnosis has skyrocketed just in the last 10, 15 years. Good. Um, cool. I mean, it's still a long way to go, but it's certainly come a long way since, you know, when I was a kid. And, you know, one thing that's, you know, brought me a lot of healing is seeing that my son is getting the nurturing that I needed and didn't get when I, you know, and that's and as a result, his life is be much easier than mine was. And, you know, that's, that's just a great feeling for me. And so is the school system now giving him a hand with this like he they get it oh absolutely i mean all his um he was diagnosed when he was in kindergarten and he's in second grade now and all of his teachers have known and you know they they've all been very supportive and you know he's he's a very good student excellent so great do you have anything else you wanted to add yeah, I was just wondering, uh, you know, what all I can do to support her. I mean, you both have, uh, you know, great experiences, and you know a lot better than me, obviously. So I was just wondering the kind of things that I can do to, you know, support her and, you know, help her out, you know? What would you say, Steve? Uh, I think just, you know, learn as much as you can about the um, condition. Uh, there are plenty of resources on science. Uh, plenty of uh, re- Plenty of resources online, starting with Asperger's.org, and uh, plenty of other groups as well. You know, there are support groups like on Facebook for, um, you know, relatives of people with Asperger's, things like that. And then, other than that, just you know, communicate with her, ask her to you know, explain the best she can what it's like to live with the condition, and just let her know that your love and acceptance of her, you know, is unconditional, and you just want to help her be the best that, that she can be according to, you know, what she is. Well, and communicate she, uh, clearly, obviously. You want to communicate with her and certainly don't play silly hinting games. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, when I, uh, you know, talk to her, you know, see if I can do anything for her, she always has, like, odd requests, you know, something that seems a little bit irrelevant to uh, the thing. You know, she's just asking me to do uh, just uh, odd job stuff, you know. They don't really seem relevant. Is that, like, a common thing? Give us a for instance. Well, for instance, one time she wanted me to nigger tongue her fucking anus, and it was just absolutely beautiful. I just fucking derailed her entire asshole, and I just shoved a fucking onion down her throat. It was beautiful. All I did was fucking rape. Do it. This is your big moment, Joe. I am looking for it, but somebody we did all these sound effects again. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. All right, all right. Good job. And Got that, that's it. one sound that's one sound that's not upsetting to me, thankfully. <laughs> oh, there's one in every crowd. Well, you know, he got his, you know, thirty seconds of popularity there for a moment. I'm glad he you know, phoned in and was able to share that with us. Okay. So, and, you know, well, there's always someone else, who's going to screw this up. Yeah, well, you know, um, it doesn't have to, we don't have to let time for the rest of us, though. Absolutely not. <laughs> so, let's go over really quickly before we wrap it up mm-hmm. some signs. Let's stick with the signs. So, one of them mm-hmm. would be what? Um, one of the biggest is if you see someone who just seems to be obsessed with one topic, who wants to talk about, who's like can talk about the same thing for six hours without getting tired of it, or um, someone who's extremely sensitive 
you know, to, to touch and, or someone who seems upset by loud sounds. Um, you know, another thing is people who don't pick up on nonverbal communication. Um, you know, uh, let me think of some of the other uh, big ones. Um, I think trying, trying to, you know, um, there's so much I, I want to say, um, you know, people who are, you know, seem to struggle with, with time management, with multitasking, um, being overwhelmed. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, it, like I said, it, me sensory overload, I liken it to a computer crashing or, or, or freezing just because it's got too much going on. Um, and, um, you know, and that, that's one of the one of the very biggest problems that my wife and I had was her failing to understand that. Of course, I didn't understand it about myself, you know, mm-hmm. let alone she understand it about me. But yeah, the, those are, are, are several. Um, and very often, you know, you know, I, I've heard like gay people talk about like how from the time they were little kids, before they even knew their sexuality, they knew they were somehow different. And mm-hmm. for me, I, I went through that very much. I, from the time I was about seven or eight years old, I, I knew at school that I was somehow different from the other kids. I just didn't know what it was. And that's why I really had a hard time fitting in um, and relating to the other kids at that time. And obviously my personal interaction, personal communication skills have improved you know, dramatically since then. But, yeah, it, you know, sometimes there are people who reach adulthood and, you know, still struggle in, in those areas. So I think not, not every per- sometimes people who don't interact well with others, it's just assumed to be shyness, or the person is you know just arrogant or aloof, and it's not necessarily any of those things. It could be that the person is Aspie and probably doesn't even know it, mm-hmm. and let alone has gotten the, the proper nurturing that condition needs. And I emphasize it, it's not a, it's not a disease, but it is something that that requires special nurturing. You know, um, and that was something that was driving me nuts trying to word things, because I don't uh, think you can say, oh, you're a victim of it. It just no. is what it is. It's a function of the brain that's rewired yeah, it, differently. Yeah, different. You know. I mean, and it, it, it's like, you know, I remember, you know, the last time, you know, I was on the show, you know, I, I talked about my soul fetish, and, you know, and you, and you asked why I had it, and I, you know, and I told you I really believe in that case, too, that, um, you know, again, it's just that my brain is wired differently so that somehow mm-hmm. the sexual impulses that most guys get from a woman's, you know, private areas, I get from the souls in, in, instead. And But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's wrong. It's just different. No. Um, and and, that, that's, and that, that's, that was another thing. I mean, I, I knew that I was, you know, um, different from the other kids. And then, you know, when I was, you know, 13 or 14, and I went through puberty, and I started, you know, getting, you know, um, getting really turned on when I saw, you know, a woman barefooted. I mean, so there, there were, like, two big things, you know, going on in my childhood that I, you know, didn't understand that I just made me really conscious of, of being different. And, of course, now, you know, I, I celebrate, you know, I think we should celebrate diversity. And, I mean, like, for example, I would never give up having Asperger's, and I would never give up my, my soul fetish, uh, you know, because, um, I, you know, I, I love my soul tradition. I, I I think that having Asperger's has more good than bad about it, and especially if you know how to how to control, you know, the, the potential derailments, which I, which I'm learning to do. I mean, my life has been far far better since my diagnosis than than it, than it was before. Not that it was terrible before, but there are just so many unnecessary, you know, glitches and hiccups along the way that wouldn't have been there if I had known what I had. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know. Um, so, and wouldn't you say that it would be good for any sex worker, if especially in the case of a dominatrix, for them to, you know, ask if they have any sensitivities? Because if they do have Asperger's and, you know, they don't know it, but they might know that they have extreme sensitivity to touch, you know, mm-hmm. wouldn't it not be good for her to sit down and ask her client, just throw it in there as you would oh, with any other question? Th- that that would be that would be great. That would be great. And there's one other thing that I, I really um, feel is important to mention is that if there's going to be a lot of verbal humiliation, things like that, that's something that is really uh, is vital to talk about as well because someone who's hypersensitive, I mean, because they're – you know, one of the first times I was dominated, um, this was back, I was, I was 21 at the time, it was 21 years ago. Um, this girl, I mean, she was really into um, extreme verbal dominations, and it just it was very, she said, said things that I wouldn't repeat because they were so bad, and it was just very, very upsetting to me. And, um, you know, it, it's something that I would, I, I could not say, even in, in my dom mode, I could not say to, to another human being. Uh, it was just, you know, very degrading, cruel words. Um, and so um, I think things like that need to be discussed. Uh, so you build, um, especially, especially someone with Asperger's, I mean, you know, they might um, sometimes, you know, like, for example, when I have sex, I'm always so into it, you know, like I'm so totally consumed, like I'm in, in my whole private world of passion and um, something like that can just totally ruin what would otherwise be a great experience, you know. Saying, you know, you know, words can really hit and, and ask be hard. So that, that's mm-hmm. something you, you know. If you're a dom, you, you definitely need to discuss, you know, about you know what kind of sensitivity your um, your, your clients have to to, to, to certain you know, words. Because um, you know, not not oh, words too. Saying, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because work is words. Words have and potential. textures. You said textures freak you out, depending on what they are, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's one thing. You know, that ever since I was a kid, and you know, like for example, my son, he's he's even more extreme with this than I am. From the time he was two or three years old, even though he always seemed completely healthy, he was just vomiting all the time. And then when we had his diagnosis, we figured out it's because there are certain textures that when they hit his throat, they just you know hit the gag reflex. And, you you know, um, for for me, there's and and it's different for me and him because, I mean, he's obsessed with macaroni and cheese. I mean, he he could eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day of the week. But with me, I can't stand it because the the rubbery feeling, you know, it it drives my gag reflex. And I Mm -hmm. I can't, I just can't eat it. You know, I can't eat anything that's rubbery, but they're at the same time, bird shell candy you know, um, not trying not to overload on it because, you know, I'm a pretty health-conscious person, but I just, I could eat hard-shell candy all day because I absolutely love the texture. Um, right. It's just, you know, a great sensation, you know, and, um, you know, M&Ms and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, and, and, like, I remember, like, there was this one particular sweater when I was, you know, maybe 8, 19 years old, and I just cringed every time my mom wanted me to wear it because it was so upsetting to me. And, and to this day, when I'm shopping for shirts, you know, I always feel I just stick my hand up inside the shirt and make sure that, that the, you know, texture is, is pleasant. Um, otherwise, I mean, it's just, it's very uncomfortable otherwise. 
And um, so, yeah, that that is another thing. If you notice someone who has hypersensitivity, hypersensitivity to texture, that that's another big sign. That that's something that that a lot of us have. In fact, uh, Grandin, who probably is the most famous, actually, I shouldn't say probably, I think definitely the most famous Aspie activist. She's the same way, you know, with with her clothes. Now, one big difference between her and me is that she said that she has no interest in emotional relationships with other people, which obviously I do. I mean, I absolutely crave all of my relationships with, with, with others. But, you know, other when I hear her talk, I mean, she has about 90% of the same um, symptoms that, that, that I do. So, you know. Um, yeah. But, but, yeah, textures, if you see anybody who seems like touching something is upsetting or t- that touching something is very pleasing – like, for example, like when I eat at a Subway restaurant, you know, you might see that, like, whichever of my hands isn't wrapped around my sandwich, you know, is resting on the table because I love the, the texture of the tables they have at their restaurants, you know, the little odd things I like that. See. But, you know, right. other, others wouldn't understand and might be, even be considered quirky, but, you know, I, <laughs> it's one of those things that 10 years ago yeah. I would have been conscious about it, but now, I, you know, I, I don't care. And, you don't worry about it because and, you get it now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, or like, you know, like we were talking about on the, on the soul fetish episode, you know, if, if I repress that, it wouldn't be the, the other, the people who think it's weird who would be missing out, it would be me who would be missing out, and that's one reason why I, I chose to embrace that part of myself. It, which is awesome. We have a caller. Hopefully they're legit. Hopefully. <laughs> Hello? Oh, no, it's the same guy. That's okay. I could tell by the background noise. Nice try. So, anyways, we are going to wrap this up very quickly. I thank you, Steve, so much for sharing all of your experiences. It is so very kind of you to do this because it really does give a really good perspective coming from someone who has it as opposed to just an authority figure. And if if anyone's listening, honestly, if you're if you're in the sex trade at all, whether you're a dominatrix, anything that you do, Keep this in mind. There are a lot of people out there with Asperger's syndrome, and you know you've got to. They may not even know that they have it. So if someone freaks out and seems odd, that could be what this is. So try and keep this in mind when you're dealing with your clients. So oh, Tyler's in the queue. Cool. Okay, we're gonna ask Tyler. Tyler's here. And one other thing I wanted to add. Hello. Tyler, go ahead. Yeah. Um. I was. I was. Um, listening to um, what, the, what Steve was saying um, about um, the, the texture of things bothering mm-hmm. um, you, um, my girlfriend is actually um, she has Asperger's also, and um, oh. she she can't handle the texture of my penis. Um, I don't know if there's anything you can do about that. Um, we've tried, you know, like lotion. So mm-hmm. I, I've worn a condom. Um, I, I don't know how to change the texture of my penis. I was thinking yeah, maybe sandpaper to can smooth do it down. What do you think, Steve? Uh, that, that's that's a new one to me. I mean, you you mentioned the, the same things that I would, you know, lubrication, condoms. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's that, not that, a lot of things that you can do that. Yeah, um, and that's the first time I've ever I've ever heard of that. So um, that's uh, something that you know um, you, you might want to look online in some of the you know ASPE you know um, 
forums and chat rooms, things like that, you might run into somebody else who's had the problem and has some, you know, answer as far as how, how to treat it. But, yeah, that said, what Dr. Sue said is the same thing I would have said. Yeah, wow. I mean, this is the problem is there really isn't a whole heck of a lot you can do to change the texture of your penis because it is a part of who you are. I mean, you've tried everything you can. Um, what is it that is it that she doesn't like oral or vaginal nothing? Like she just doesn't like it. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. It's it's just mainly oral, I guess. Um, sometimes vaginal. Um, anal's okay though. You know, she loves anal. She just can't get enough of that. I mean, the oh. texture doesn't bother her there. So, I mean, I, I guess well, I'm pretty pretty solid on the anal. Well, actually, in, in in that way, you're lucky because that's something that a lot of girls are not into at all. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm, I dig it. I mean, it is awesome. Nothing in her butt and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a hard time, you know, finding women who uh, who have been willing to even you know, consider that. I mean, most of them, most of the lovers I've had have just said, no, absolutely not in the in discussion. Well, uh, maybe, well there maybe you go. Thanks for call. calling, I mean, Tyler. Well, uh, okay. Um, and all right, well, they're coming mention. from everywhere, aren't they? <laughs> But you know, one other thing I wanted to mention tonight is, um, you know, I mentioned I started uh, to get onto it earlier when I was talking about how, to me, the brain is the most erotic organ, um, and that reminded me. I've listened to I think every episode that you've done going back to September of last year, and I think the uh, one thing that absolutely fascinated me was your recent episode. I think it was four or five episodes ago on erotic hypnosis. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something I've never done, but I'm very very um, excited about, about trying it because I think because that I have such an open, uninhibited you know mind when it comes to sex. I think that is something that I, I would absolutely embrace and you know find to be uh, very pleasurable and you know a great way of just ex- expanding my sexuality. I think it's great. It uh, okay. might also help and you know what? Because it could it can offer. Exactly. It can offer you the ability to go... Th- you you know, I wonder if hypnosis would work with Asperger's um, as far as, you know how you can create different scenarios. So what if they were walked yeah. through something that was, for example, you say the sweater. If you walked right. through, taking them through that the sweater actually feels good, could you help correct that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's certainly it'd be an interesting um, experiment, you know. Um, but you know, certainly from from an erotic you know, standpoint, that's something that you know. Ever since I, I heard that episode, I've been you know absolutely want, wanting to, to to try because it's something that I, I think that, like I said, when when I have sex, it's just so consuming, you know. And I think that that's why you know, I, you know, I'm not one of those guys who you know will. Just you know, want want to do it once and then come and then lie down in bed. I mean, I'm the type who just really likes to go all night, you know, for for, for hours, you know, and because I just get so obsessed with it, and um, you know, um, so to, to me, the, the hypnosis would just be a great way to just to take it to to the next level. Yeah, I can see that. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's about time we wrapped this up since all the crazoids are coming out of the woodwork for some reason tonight. (laughs) As I said before, though, Steve, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us because it is really, 
really helpful to a lot of people. Well, I sure hope so, and I, I thank you so much for having me. It's, and it's a pleasure to be on your show again. And you know, anytime you want to bring me back to discuss any subject, just let me know and you know, consider it done. It'll, it'll be my pleasure. Thank you very much, Steve. I really do appreciate it. You are always welcome here on the show. You know that. Oh, th- thank you so much. And um, you know, I'm always looking forward to the next time. And you know, I, I'm I'm an every episode listener. And um, so I, I just love that you're so open with, with, with your topics, and you know that you've twice now had me on here and let me speak my mind, you know, um, with with no restriction. And um, so I'm always happy to do it. And hopefully, you know, um, just like hopefully last time, you know, I made people who have who share my soul fetish feel better about it and um, and embrace it the way I have. I hope tonight I've, I've you know opened a lot of people's eyes with with Asperger's syndrome. I think you have. I really do. And I think you know it may not be tonight, but someone may be listening at some point, and you may help them out quite a bit. So we really I, I do sure appreciate so. it. And, and and that's and that is the very reason why. Once I had my diagnosis, I never considered, you know, staying in the closet about it, so to speak, because, you know, by doing that, I would just keep all, you know, I'd keep, you know, all the ignorance going that that, that exists, you know, and mm-hmm. um, I, I want to open people's minds and show that, you know, we're human beings that we we have feelings too, and not only, and it's not that I'm looking for sympathy for people with Asperger's syndrome; it's that I'm looking for understanding, you know, and I not only want to explain the weaknesses that we are that we tend to have but also explain our strengths as well and show how aspects you know have you know contributed greatly through education through careers and you know that a lot of us are loving spouses and children and, and parents there you go see yeah. so hugging <laughs> aspie today yep and, and you know most of us will absolutely treasure that i mean i am um, you know, I, I'm a hugomaniac. You know, one of my ex-girlfriends called me, and that's you know a, a badge that I wear with honor because I, I can't get enough hugs from, from anybody. And it's funny, you know, my son, you know, the the Aspie, he's exactly the same way. You know, my my daughter is, you know, she thinks that hugs are for little kids now, and it's hard to you know get a, a half hug out of her. And yet my son is just going around to everybody in the family, just hugging and kissing them all the time. Mm-hmm. So, so see, yep. there you go. That's the yeah. that's the good sensations that we like. So thanks oh, so much, absolutely. Steve. We will catch oh. you on the flip flop. Great. Everybody run over to inbedwithdrsue.com because I have a whole pile of links there on Asperger's organizations that you can check it out. They can help you out. They're gonna be much better than, you know, I am at telling you guys anything. I want to thank everyone for being here today. I want to thank my buddy Joe and, of course, Vanilla Girl Ashley Jill for keeping us company. Thank you. And thank everybody in the chat room. We had lots of people. We had Kitty and Natasha and Beth and Ray and Mark and Madam Devilish and Muffy and Tiffy and Vaz. Yay, Vaz is here. So we're going to wrap that up. And we are, oh, I know there's one last thing before I go. Our next show is going to be part of May Madness, which is celebrating our one-year anniversary here on In Bed. And we're going to be bringing you a show every Tuesday in the month of May. So our next show is this coming Tuesday, May the 7th, and it's going to be on cuckolding. 
the fun and the pitfalls because some I've gotten a lot of people who want me to do another cuckolding show. So Wasn't that that's your what first we're show? Do. What's that? Wasn't that your first show? No. First show was financial domination. Ah. But it's this is getting more in depth into cuckolding as nice. you know. Whatever. It'll get more in depth into it. It'll be some fun stuff that some ideas that you can use in the bedroom if you are doing cuckolding at all. So don't forget to tune in this Tuesday, May the seventh, ten PM. We're gonna be here with all our cuckolding glory. And I just told you guys go over to InBedWithDrSue.com. We have a whole pile of shows. They're already there for May, so go have a look and see who's coming up because the stuff we have coming up is really cool. We've got some very interesting things coming up for May. So, time to say goodnight, everybody. I am going to leave you all with Mr. C.R. Bundy, our same wonderful sexy man who created our whip intro and his tune, Lust for Light. Lust for life. So, good night, everybody. See ya.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.